Hi, I'm Justin, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Talking Roadmaps channel, the channel on YouTube where we talk everything roadmaps from people, best practices, some of the thought leaders in the space, and we have some awesome guests on the channel as well. If that sounds good to you, please feel free to subscribe to the channel, hit like. If you like some of the things that our guest speakers are saying or you've got some questions, feel free to drop those down in the comments. And if you'd like to get in touch because um, you want to take part, please just reach out to us below and we'll reach out to you and, and get you on the channel as well. But talking about getting people on the channel, today I'm really excited to uh, welcome Mr. Simon Whitkiss. Um, Simon, well, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Justin. It's uh, great to be here. So Simon, you've got an extensive career in product management, an enviable career in product management. You've been working in, in product probably for the most of your career in, in product roles, if, you know, most recently, mm -hmm. a couple of decades of product leadership roles as well, um, and for some well-known brands as, as well as your own product consultancy. So I'm expecting, you know, some, some great thoughts around roadmapping from you and, and really excited to hear what, um, what your views are. So tell us a little bit about your most present role, if you would. Sure. And, uh, well, thanks for the intro. Uh, it's, it's amazing what you can put on a LinkedIn profile to make it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, currently I head up product and marketing at a company called Trustkeep, and uh, it's, it's a B2B business uh, in a specialized industry. And, you know, and that's probably the, the key thing for this discussion today is, you know, a lot of my career has been in those B2B specialist businesses, uh, quite often in scale-up mode as well. And I think, you know, that's... That's important to say because I think when we talk about roadmaps, when we talk about product roles, you know, for uh, 10 product role descriptions, there are 10 different types uh, out there. So, yeah, that's my particular expertise. And uh, as you say, yeah, unfortunately, it is now decades plural that I've been in this uh, business. <laughs> but phenomenal to see the industry change, to see the product management techniques change mm. and even, you know, probably even roadmapping change as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's just accelerated so quickly. Yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. And I think, you know, the benefit of nearly 20 years in UK product management, I think, is it's just great to have seen the role come from probably what was a niche, possibly unknown role to actually being a, you know, the UK being at, you know, catching up and being at the forefront of product management, kind of like the US, really. We kind of used to, used to look to the US for our uh, guidance and leadership on product management and road mapping. But now I think we've got a... Uh, a great cohort of product leaders in the UK itself. So, uh, yeah, it's great to have uh, seen the development of the uh, the career and the role over that time. Yeah, massively. And and talking about the kind of development of the role, I understand you've also just uh, done a major launch as well. So congratulations. You know, it's a, a, a busy you. time for you. So we're grateful you've spent some time with the channel, but, but massive congratulations on that. That's great news. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I think, you know, product product launches are always kind of a milestone. I always like to think as... As a product person, uh, you know, one of the things you, one of the best things we get to do is look back on our career and our CV and look at those launches and those big events. So, yeah, hopefully another, hopefully another successful one uh, to add to the, uh, to the career list. And, uh, but as ever, as we all know, with product launches, it's now is when the hard work really kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously those product roadmaps. Uh, product launches, sorry, will be on, on a roadmap, which is, of course, a, a really nice segue to kind of the, the purpose of the channel. So I'm wondering if we might start a little bit with kind of, in, in your mind, what, what would you say is the purpose of a roadmap? And that's an intentionally wide question. Yeah, and yeah, that's a very wide question. And I think uh, in that, you know, there are so many, you know, there's probably hours and hours of content, right? Um, 
I think firstly, the clue is in the name. Um, it is a roadmap, so it is a journey. It's a description of a journey at the very highest level. And I think that for me is the interesting thing because it is a description of a journey. So you kind of have yeah. to have in mind a destination. Um, and I think that's important. You know, so for me, you know, a roadmap, much like when you are physically heading to a destination, uh, you, you're going to stick the, uh, well, no longer do we have atlases and roadmaps. We, we, you know, we do now have sat navs, but you stick your destination in and it tells you how to get there. And for me, that is what a roadmap is about, ultimately. I think often where we get into difficulties with roadmaps is then there's all these secondary purposes that roadmaps serve and different yeah. stakeholders have those different purposes. But I think at, mm. at the highest level, it's all about getting yourself to, to that destination where you want to head to. Yeah, I think that's a, a great summary and, of course, a, a great analogy um, back to, to a, a physical roadmap as well. Um, so it, it, it makes sense to me. I, I wonder if, you know, roadmap is quite prescriptive sometimes. You know, we mm -hmm. talk about um, a roadmap often gives you every direction that you need to take. And actually part of roadmapping is we, we almost at some point go into the unknown, don't we? So it's almost like we know where the destination is. We might understand the first roads to get there. And then with the nature of business and, you know, who could have seen things like the pandemic coming, there almost needs to be a little bit of ambiguity there so that we don't exactly. specify exactly how we're going to get there. And I, and I think that's where concepts like North Star um, helps. You know, it's it's about directionally how you get there, not necessarily prescribing, you know, which specific roads you take. And that's where right. I think, you know, a lot of the the conversation is around outcomes uh, rather than the yeah. specifics. Um, I think that's that's really important. You know, there are, you know, various frameworks around road mapping and things like that. But I think a lot of what they have in common is just trying to connect the dots from that ultimate vision through to actually how you execute. Because also, you know, we talk about those secondary purposes of roadmaps. Um, you know, they, they are a guide to how you execute to that destination. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think as long as you focus on, you know, focus on the outcomes, focus on your North Star, a roadmap should actually be able to cater for a huge amount of challenges. If anything, actually, when you're faced with those challenges, the roadmap should be the first thing that helps you rather than being a hindrance. Uh, it should be the thing you go to to actually help you, guide you through your, your next big business challenge. I, I think that yeah, those three points that you've made there around the, the North Star the outcomes and those other purposes. Love the, the concept of joining the dots as well, because sometimes it's not a clear line and we kind of have to put those points of where we want to get to. Um, and sometimes it might not be so clear. In fact, I'd love to come on to North Star and outcomes a bit later there, but um, but talk to me maybe a little bit around the, the audience of a roadmap then. So we mentioned North Star, so potentially there's quite a lot of strategic information in there. In, in your mind, who are the audiences of these roadmaps? I anyone and everyone really and i think that is and that is often the challenge we we find as product managers because not only is is the audience pretty much anyone you can think of connected with your business but also what they perceive to be a roadmap is different um right so i think ultimately your roadmap does need to cater to them we, we talk about stakeholders and for me you know as much as a, a roadmap is a thing an artifact it is also, it also has to be a process. It also has to have engagement, collaboration. It needs to be a continual thing. You know, it's almost road mapping as an activity rather than a, a noun. And it has yeah, to be something yeah. that 
that you do engage your entire audience. So it's it's your leadership um, and your your senior leadership. You know, for them, the roadmap is as much about showing how you feel you're going to help reach that corporate strategy and deliver on that vision. But also it is going to be your, your engineers and your developers who kind of want to know that their day-to-day work is contributing to the vision and back to that connecting the dots. Um, right. And also, you know, then, you know, many others within your business, but then also maybe the slightly controversial topic of your customers as well. And that's, you know, that's often often a, an interesting topic. Do you share roadmaps with customers? Um, you know, whoever you are, you're going to have to mm-hmm. share a vision. Um, yes. I think depending on, on your business, um, you may or may not need to share a, a roadmap. Um, I, work in an in, I work in a business where we are B2B and some of our customers are big businesses. Some are small. I'm lucky to operate with a range but uh yeah there comes a time when i do have to show a roadmap so you know thinking about the needs of those those uh different stakeholders is, is absolutely crucial and, and what they want to get out of it as well yeah absolutely talking about the you know it serves so many different purposes there's a lot of different audiences there it's expectation management it's buy-in it's almost a sales tool in some ways of, of that external roadmap that you say yeah. about having a trusted version that you can share um it, it, it does so many of those purposes um that's, that's a great answer and and i think to that point though no one single document does that and that's where i think it is right. important it's a process because you know, yeah. if you think you're creating one roadmap that serves your management team, that serves your engineering team, you know, particularly when ultimately you have to deliver on it, that also serves your customers, that's that's when you're going to start getting into trouble. Yeah, that's right. It's not just a single, uh, you know, page in a PowerPoint and then a tick in the box that you've done it. I love your, your, your saying that roadmapping is an activity rather than just even an art. I mean, it is an artifact in itself, but it, there is so much more around it there. It's a, it's a great way of thinking about it. And so who, who do you think owns a roadmap? It's, this is quite a widespread document or process or activity. Who, who owns the roadmap in your mind? Um, that's, that's, that's a really great question. Um, and I guess uh, being a politician, I'm going to answer the question I want to answer because actually... <laughs> Another question. Yeah, I think if you talk about who owns the roadmap, that's difficult. I, I like to think product management is the guardians of the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, we're on the hook to do a lot of the activity associated with that process. Um, but ultimately, you know, all the stakeholders have to feel a degree of ownership. Uh, I think that's important because, you know, as soon as somebody doesn't feel ownership, then they don't start to feel the buy-in, the alignment. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but, yeah, trying to have everyone feel like they own it, and have a, a bit of skin in the game. Uh, is is important um so yeah I, I like to think of it as you know the product people being the guardians guardians of the roadmap and uh, ultimately the people that do have to just put the blood sweat and tears into uh creating those artifacts and going through the roadmap process it's a great way of looking at it and i love the specific word that you chose around guardians because i think that's important you know there's a it can be used as a sword and a shield the roadmap mm. to protect what you're doing or try and go after something new um, and also there has to be a level of governance and um, just robustness around that process, because if we did everything that if everyone in the company wanted, we may well just, you know, decentralize everything we're trying to do. We want to make sure that we are 
heading towards that North Star that you mentioned as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because, you know, in, in the life of a product manager, um, you're saying no more often than you say yes. That's an inevitability. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's important throughout this that, um, you know, we have processes that even though we're saying no, people feel like they're being listened to. And whether that's at the, the day-to-day release and sprint process or whether it's at the road mapping process, you know, you've got an ability to kind of get people to, to still buy in even though you're saying no. And I think also, you know, when you highlight about everyone wanting different things, I think there's another important aspect of a roadmap is it serves as corporate memory because right. all too often you, you generate a roadmap um, and it's about your long-term vision. Right. But the next day you head into a sales conversation or you talk to your support team or any host of a number of the usual day-to-day conversations a product manager has and all of a sudden these short-term things come up, which always right. then seem like the next big thing, the burning issue that needs to be solved. And if you don't have that long-term memory of your roadmap to remind you what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's actually all too easy to all of a sudden lose a lot of your, uh, lot of your strategic ability into those, those short-term tactical things. Not necessarily the wrong thing to do, but equally, it's important that the roadmap, again, serves the purpose of reminding you why you're doing it. It gives you the ability to make active choices should you want to uh, change for those uh, short-term decisions. Such a great answer. Just thinking about it, you know, especially when um, you said serves as corporate memory, and that really resonates with me, especially when leadership changes might come Mm -hmm. in in a couple of years and they want to push a strategic direction that actually we've done in the past, and we want to be able to show the learnings from that or the rationale why we didn't. If we're always creating a forward-looking roadmap, you know, we, we don't always push forward and forget where we've been. So it's it's not that we don't want to think about the past, but it serves. There's a lot of decisions and key thoughts caught up in that roadmap that can help define where we want to go. That's such a a, a great way of thinking about that. And absolutely right. And a roadmap is never set in stone, and that's where I think it's it's a process that allows you to to set that set that strategy that that how you're going to execute on it. But it is important that it does it does serve to remind people of the previous data you've created, the previous reasons you've had, that, you know, it is perfectly fine to change minds. Uh, But importantly, we have that framework around which to change our minds. It's, you know, change is not a bad thing. Change is not to be feared. But importantly, change without that framework within which to control and kind of contain it, that's when it becomes chaotic. That's when it becomes inefficient. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I've uh, really sucked into that conversation. It's such a great well, answer. Down the rabbit um, hole. Absolutely. And, and that's quite normal for these types of sessions. It's great to explore how, how you know, the, the, your, your mind and how you, how you see this. One of the things that you mentioned to me was, was some of the things like North Star and, and outcomes and things like that. I'm wondering what you see the relationship of things like that to a roadmap. So do you see a roadmap as being the North Star and the outcomes, or do you see those as separate things that should live, live elsewhere but be incorporated into the roadmap? How do you see those different artifacts? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting, and I think you, you almost can't have one without the other. You know, I think um, – but I think it is important you can't have one. Uh, you know, I have seen companies that, in the absence of a corporate strategy, looked to their product management team to create a roadmap that dug them out of the hole. But actually, that's not going to work because you're just going to spin wheels and you're just going to get frustrated. 
Um, so yeah, I think you, you do have to have that 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 vision. I think importantly for me, the roadmap then is about this taking that big vision and breaking it down and distilling it into increasingly executable parts. You know, not unlike what we do with uh, with development day to day, right? We're taking big things and breaking them down into atomic units that can be executed within within sprints by developers. It's the same thing for a roadmap, and I think in that perspective, that's where. The, the different optics through which to look at the roadmap come through. So, you know, I think importantly, you have your vision, you have your North Star, breaking that down into actually what are the component, you know, what are the component goals of that? What are the component outcomes we want to get to? And then from then you can start to break it down into the, well, what are the themes, you know, because, you know, those, those goals and outcomes are likely to have multi-quarter, multi-year you know, things too. Right. So, you know, you have commonality, you have the themes. And then once you have your themes, you can then start to break them down into things which are probably a little bit more kind of things you can wrap your, your arms around, understand and ultimately mm. start to size and ultimately start to sense check with your customers. But equally, you can just track it back up straight back to that vision. And I think that's the important thing. And then as you go through that process, you're generating data that then feeds back into the vision. And it allows right. you to adapt yeah. the vision. And it allows you to kind of then understand, well, actually, the market is telling us this. So therefore, does our vision need to change? Now, I'm not saying your vision changes every time you do the roadmap process, because you know, certainly your roadmapping process should be probably a bit more frequent than maybe your corporate uh, vision. Um, but equally, right. you know, there comes a time when actually the data you've learned from one has to influence influence the other. And you know. For me, the big thing when I look at roadmaps is I do see them as a spectrum, and you know mm-hmm. they 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 have to sit at one end with the, the big vision, and then down to the other end where it's the uh, the day to day execution. Brilliant, and, and and two things that really struck me there was again it's that decomposition that we're familiar with in development of taking functionality and breaking it down smaller is not dissimilar to what we need to do at a higher level just with bigger boulders and bigger rocks that we're actually tackling at that exactly point. exactly Justin and I think that's often sometimes where where teams can kind of get a little bit caught up in it you know sometimes road mapping can be scary but ultimately yeah we are just decomposing things it just so happens that they're bigger things uh, exactly right yeah that's it and and critically also the sense that actually from the operational and the, the work that we're doing there does need to be a level of bi-directionality there often when i speak with people who think about roadmaps they think it's very prescriptive this is the roadmap this is what we're doing or else and what you've shared there is actually if we want to test and learn with our customers we should be working with them at the coal phase thinking about more what was going on but feeding that back into the roadmap to validate it at those times and that's something i think is often quite forgotten mm. i i totally agree with you and i think so I think two things come from that for me. Firstly, that's where it's important. It's a road, it's a roadmap process. You know, you have to have enough regularity right. in it such that it becomes a heartbeat. Um, because mm-hmm. I also think that that you know, as we talked earlier, that helps you consume change and it helps you get the stakeholder buy-in. But uh, you know, when it's a process, it means you can adapt to that. And I think the other the other aspect of that as well is. Um, it's we shouldn't be a fan of the change. You know, I mentioned that earlier. You know, all of my roadmaps they actually contain 
like the agile manifesto phrase, which is, you know, we, we value adapting to change over following a plan. I think that's really important, you know, and that's really important when actually you, you talk about roadmaps to other people because, you know, you can put various phrases on a roadmap, such as, you know, don't don't take this to the bank, yeah. you know, don't sign deals based on it. They're, they're generally ignored. But I, I like to think that when you just say to people, as a business, we value responding to change as a result of data over following a plan, you know, that yeah. tends to that tends to sit well. And I think for me, that is, again, it just comes back to that process, right? A roadmap is never right. The, the thing I can say about a roadmap with 100% guarantee is it's not going to be the final answer. And that's where, you know, trying to then actually focus your, your, your activities on just that continual adaption as the data comes in, that's when you know you're going, yeah. to, you're going to hit a successful roadmap process. Such a great answer and many great insights I think our audience can take from there as well, as, as well as myself included. You know, it's just it's the experience that you're bringing to this and the fact that you've, you know, you've been through it many, many times, you've seen it. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in what you've shared there, Simon. So, so thank you. Um, you talked about um, some of the bits that you would put on the roadmap, you know, the agile manifesto, the fact that it's part of a process here. What do you feel are some of the key elements or content that you like to see on the roadmap? And obviously you're in the B2B space, so it might be that maybe some dates are more important than, than B2C. Tell us about what specifically in your industry or in your experience you like to see on those roadmaps. Yeah, and I think, yeah, so that's an interesting question, right? Dates. Um, I think some sort of time is inevitable, right? Because I think, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're not putting some sort of indicator as to time, then you don't actually have a roadmap. Probably just have a pretty diagram, which is ultimately a list. But how you convey those dates, I think, is is important. Um, and I think right. again, this comes to the stakeholders. You know, so uh, internally, we we operate on a now, next, later basis. Um, those mm -hmm. now, next, later's they have kind of proximate timeframes, and that's as much to educate people that you know now, next, later isn't just you know, this month, next month, and the month after, it's to kind of say, well, this first chunk is about three months. And this next chunk is about six months. And then the following chunk, well, who knows, right? It's nine or 12 months. And, yeah. you know, and that's important because it then allows you to, to roadmap at a fairly sensible level because you certainly don't want to be doing in your later time frame the level of detail that you put into your now bucket. Um, so you, yes. you kind of have to figure that out um, but then equally when we, when we, as I mentioned earlier, we have a customer facing roadmap, but we, we don't put dates on that. Um, it, to be honest, we, we don't really have dates on, um, on our internal. Um, when my team operate, we, we do have like the super secret internal roadmap where we have some dates, but equally, right. you know, when it goes, uh, wider internally, it's the, you know, it's that now, next, later. And then when we go to customers, instead, we yes. kind of change the terminology. So we, we talk about what's in development. Then we talk about mm -hmm. what's in planning, i.e. we're kind of proactively mm -hmm. looking to validate. We are proactively looking to generate data that verifies this is the right thing to do. And then finally, we've got the under consideration bucket at the end, which I think is, is just a useful term that allows us to just really paint the uncertainty of that, um, not only in timeframes, but also yeah. in whether they actually happen at all. Um, and importantly, what That's we're right. looking to do there is 
doing some really high level validation and kind of get some understanding as to whether it's worth them kind of doing the research, the, the proof of concepts, the prototyping that we might need to do, do to understand the value proposition and whether it kind of comes forward on the roadmap. Um, so yeah, ultimately, you know, dates, they're important, um, but how you convey them is, is important. Um, just to you know, to answer the wider question, we kind of got hooked on the dates thing. What else do I want to see on a roadmap? <laughs> That may have been me seeding yeah. you unfairly, so sorry yeah, about that. But a semblance of proximity is what I was getting there, which I really like. Depending on the, the audience and the circle of trust, um, that you're giving people an, an indication of proximity mm. or, or, or some form of time frame, but still not making sure that we're held down to key dates, which I think was great. And sorry, Simon, you're going to say some of the other yeah, things that are important. You're saying there about proximity, it's proximity and certainty, right? And it's 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 allowing people to understand just how likely stuff is to change. You know, if, if there's something in the in the mm-hmm. now bucket and all of a sudden we do an about turn on it, perfectly possible. It, it, it's happened before and yep. it will happen again, I'm it's sure. Okay. But, you know, understandably, people might be a little bit more frustrated than if something drops off the, the later bucket. Um, so I think it also actually guides your, your stakeholder uh, communication and engagement as well. Um, so, yeah, so some of the other stuff, um, you know, I think you, we, we talked about the, the kind of connection to the vision, the goals, the themes. And I think that has to come through in your roadmap because, you know, I think it's all well and good talking about that. I think where I, you know, have in the past seen teams kind of fail is actually they, they talk about that, but then the actual roadmap is just ultimately a list that's kind of thrown together and is somehow organized by commonality. I, you know, I do like to see in the roadmaps an ability to kind of connect that through so that you can see where stuff's coming from and then you can see where it's going. Because, um, you know, ultimately yeah. that's then also going to help your development process, you know, a development process that has kind of that, that strong link to the vision is, is always going to be easier than, than just scattering random stuff into Sprint. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and one of the questions I have here, but I think we touched on it, is you know if you have a preferred way to visualize and style for the roadmap. And I think the now, next, later really came through in what you were saying there as being something that's mm-hmm. served you really well um, in, in that area. Have you have you found some tools that are able to help you do that internally? And I know from you know um, Prodpad from Jana Basto is um, another. Uh, tool where she was the inventor kind of of that now yeah, next later yeah. roadmap are those have you got internal tools that you use or internal frameworks that you're using to help yeah so that? that's that's an interesting question i i've used uh in the past i've used aha used podpad and for me there, there seems to have uh, been a flourish of tools i guess in the market at the moment um it's quite, it's quite incredible i for me i i think when it comes to tools i think if you if you can't roadmap well Without a tool, you're never going to roadmap well with a tool, okay? You know, a tool is going to make it easier. Um, it is, you know, going to help you not have different lists in different places. It's possibly going to help you create the different views for the different stakeholders you need. But, you know, I sometimes see teams, you know, just sign up to AHA thinking it's going to make them roadmap geniuses, but it, it never will. You know, and that, I think, for me, comes to the, the process and the framework. You know, you've got to have... That strong framework, which is there's prep work that goes into it. And, you know, there's data collection, there's market validation. Then there's a roadmap process. 
And then there's the engagement afterwards and the, you know, the, uh, the closing the loop, going back to people who have suggestions and kind of explaining. But then also then effectively teeing up your next roadmap process. You know, we, you know, at right, TrustKey, we, we generally don't go into a roadmap process with everything done that we wanted. We will quite often go in and say, we've done this. And already in the next one, next quarter, we do them quarterly, next quarter, we're going to focus on this. And, you know, for, for me, it's, it is that process before and after the actual roadmap that's just as important. And, you know, for me, that's the framework. So, I, you know, tools, I, you know, big fan of AHA and actually also liking ProdPad as well at the moment. I, I definitely put my hand up on yep. those. Um, but I, I do think I am also a believer that um, unless you've started and wrangled it in, whether it's Excel or PowerPoint, um, you know, you, you've got to be comfortable knowing that your process works before you before you adapt to a tool. That's right. I mean, it's, it's like, like you said, the discipline of product management. These tools are there to expedite it. And, and, yeah. and arguably, it could make um, bad roadmapping quicker. Uh, one of the things that I, one I, of my, I think you're absolutely right there, you know, because these tools all have the ability to uh, kind of publish your roadmap or email your roadmap. And yeah, who, who thinks when they, they click the publish button in AHA that they think, all oh, right, cool, just tick the box for stakeholder engagement, right? And yeah. that's, you know, that's the key. You can, you know, you can quickly perpetuate bad habits with tools whilst yeah. they seemingly make your life easier. Yeah. Someone, someone in my career once told me, and I can't remember who it was to attribute it to them, but a, a fool with a tool is still a fool. And I just I just absolutely love that. It's kind of like this, you know, there is no silver bullet. It's not there to replace good discipline, good road mapping, hygiene and processes. It's it's just a tool that makes life Absolutely. Easier. And, you know, I, I have kind of maybe gone a bit down on the tools, tooling there. I, I absolutely love that there is uh, a lot of tooling around, and I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, product management being recognised as a discipline in its own right. Yeah. Um, but you know what I've said just goes for pretty much every career, right? Uh, every profession. You know, if if you don't know how to do it and you just go straight to your tool, you, you, it's not going to end well. That's it. That's it. No, that's superb. So so thank you for that. Let's let's switch gears a little bit then. So let's go into some sort of quicker questions. So I want to talk a little bit about the good and bad of road mapping and get your thoughts on kind of some of the things that you think are done well and, and are not so done well. Um, what do you consider to be some of the best practices in road mapping? Are there any practice? And I think you've shared some of these already. So we mm. might pick up on those of iterative, um, the fact that it's um, an activity was one that I really liked what you said. Is there anything you'd add on to that in terms of some good practices Right, I think. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a great question, Justin. And trying to think of some some new answers. Actually, I, I think the first thing is we we did talk about it is iterative. So you've got to find the cadence that, that works for you. Uh, yeah. We we do ours quarterly, um, so I think that that's important. Yeah, I think the, the best practice, or equally, you could argue it's it's when it when it goes bad, is the, the roadmap is not my delivery plan. Um, right. We we at Trusky we have a very deliberately different delivery plan. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't we don't connect them too much. Don't get me wrong; they are the process is linked, and obviously the delivery plan takes its feed from the roadmap. But you, you don't you don't simply just turn the page on a roadmap and then there's your delivery plan. <laughs> you, um, you don't just change the title, Simon. <laughs> exactly right. Um, which you know I, you know. 
when roadmaps go badly, that's that's what happens, right? Because all of a sudden your roadmap starts to become more detailed. You know, it becomes more about the features. Yeah. And, you know, so actually for me, you know, how you might go about this might change. What, what we do with my team is we just have a deliberately different process for going through our sprints and releases. And, you know, for me, that, that ensures that actually that maintains our roadmap focus on the vision, the outcomes, whilst our, our delivery is then still focused on the, yes, it's focused on outcomes, but also importantly, the features and how we're going to execute in a, in a bit more detail. That's, that's a great practice. Almost giving yourselves a level of differentiation or, or separation between the two to make sure that we are distinct in those two areas. I think that's, that's yeah. a great way of doing it. And, and you, and you I mean, and just to just to pick up, a, you know, a bit more as well, in terms of where roadmaps go bad, is mm-hmm. I, I think quite often, um, you know, stakeholders can sometimes see product management and roadmapping. It's a bit of an algorithmic exercise. Okay. And I think this is a challenge we've got as an industry, is to actually educate people that road mapping is not just a case of just feeding it into our favorite kind of scoring algorithm. Um, don't get me wrong, the, the various things like, like Kano or, or Rice analysis or you know, out, outcome-driven innovation, they're all important. Mm. But... The, the other, you know, the other thing where I see roadmaps go wrong, personally, I've done it myself, is, is, you know, is when you just, you know, create your formula in Excel and just sort it by a score first and bang, there's your roadmap, right? And I think, you know, at the end of the day, these are all data points, but product management is a blend of art and science. If it was all about the algorithm, then actually we'd be firing teams of product managers and just installing our heart. You know, and that's that's just not the case. Um, so that for me would be the other kind of, I guess, anti-pattern that I've, I've sometimes seen in the past. And yeah, as I say, stick my hand up, I've sometimes done in the past. It's, it's where I've started too. And, and you said about an art and a science, and that was the kind of the saying that was, was running through my mind as you were going up. So I'm really glad you said that because I think it's true. You know, it's it's not something that we can replace with with a single formula. There has to be a, a balance there as well. So so thank you for sharing that. And I guess just to conclude that section, do you have a, a pet hate that you, you, that you hate to see on a roadmap, something you really dislike seeing? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. Uh, probably my pet hate is um, seeing a roadmap with a date, but without an expiry date. And that, okay. for me, is my pet hate, because I think the date a roadmap is created is, is virtually useless for me. Mm. What I want to see is how long are we happy for this roadmap to circulate? Um, I think it, it's sometimes difficult for teams to do that, because as soon as you put an expiry date on it, it puts you on the hook to actually uh, do your refresh. Um, but also, mm-hmm. I think that's the positive of it, right? You commit to saying, I will refresh this in three months' time, and whatever you do, don't rely on it after that point. Um, it, 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 it does help you to motivate you into you know, doing that refresh. So, yeah, for me, my pet hate would be roadmaps that have a date but don't have that expiry date. That's that Simon, that is so insightful. I think I might have to steal that one. I'll put quotes out there with expiry dates, but I've never put roadmaps with expiry dates. And I think it forces the teams to keep them contemporary. And it it's um it's just a ver- that sounds like a very good process, bad process. And exactly, and it and it just feeds into setting the context of a roadmap, right? Into, you know, this isn't set in stone. 
you know what, in three months' time, I'm going to change it and it's going to be different. And some of the things you may have been wanting are going to be gone, but there'll be some new things and we'll have some data behind it. Uh, so, yeah, as well as it kind of providing a degree of, frankly, protection for the team, it does also, again, help to set the context and, you know, it helps to, you know, educate people that see the roadmap as to, you know, actually to what extent they get to rely on it versus mm, actually it's going to change. That's right. And, you know, that's something I'm particularly hot on because, as I say, right, you know, we do have we do have customer-facing roadmaps. You can't just go to our website and download our roadmap, don't get me wrong. But equally, you know, my assumption is, you know, as soon as that roadmap is shown to a customer, I I, I start to lose control over who has it. So, again, right. the, the, the expiry date is a part of that protection about people who may not have directly engaged with me and my team, understanding that's that's when they they, they need to go and seek out new information. Simon, some some absolute value bombs there, some some real insights has, has been phenomenal. Um you've clearly road mapping has been central to a lot of the work that you've done through your career and that you've shared some really great thoughts there through uh, with us. I'm I'm keen whose kind of advice have in on the road mapping space, whose advice in that space do you typically listen to or who really resonates with you? Yeah, so that's that's really interesting. And I, that's interesting for me because I think product management. Uh, you know, I hate to use the phrase uniquely because I'm sure people in other careers might might disagree with me, but I guess they're probably not listening to this anyway. <laughs> um, but I think for me, product management uniquely is is something where you have to experience it. You know, I'm I'm actually, you know, you increasingly see product management courses at university, which in colleges, which I somewhat disagree with. Yeah, I think it is a role that you have to experience. And actually, so to your question, you know, to your point, who, who do you listen to? You know, the books you read. Because I think, you know, when you can learn from other people's experiences, you're going to accelerate, you know, what you can do uh, far quicker. Um, so for me, uh, Rich Miranov, mm-hmm. you know, he, for me, particularly being special, uh, a B2B kind of specialist in the product space, Rich Miranov, I find, you know, he writes far more eloquently and explains things far better than I do. The number of times I read a blog from Rich and I think, Yes, that's what I was trying to explain when I got all frustrated and uh, couldn't quite explain what, what I was trying to. And then immediately we'll just send the link to Rich's blog and say, read this, that's why. <laughs> um, so I think that's, you know, Rich, you know, for me, uh, is definitely someone that uh, pay a lot of attention to his work and uh, his book, The Art of Product Management, is, is a great read. I think also um, in terms of uh, books, um, recently we had uh, Product Roadmaps relaunched that yep. were that was um, created by a couple a couple of authors. I think uh, Todd. Oh, there it is. Look, <laughs> you can just kind of read it out to me. Um, but it, you know, Bruce McCarthy was one of those yeah. authors, and you know, I find what he does. Yeah, a great, great little book. And I think yeah. also Bruce McCarthy has you know a great uh, kind of very short newsletter. And for me, particularly working with my teams, that th- these are all. They're short little snippets that allow me to kind of, we, we have discussions, you know, and for me, I don't know everything in product management. And it's great just to have that uh, that discussion with the team um, around points. So Bruce McCarthy's email. And then <clears throat> and then you kind of get onto Twitter, mm-hmm. product management Twitter. I, I do like, I, I really do enjoy, I think product management Twitter uh, has come on, so much, you know, since Twitter first came around, 
really enjoy it. I, to be honest, I value that more than maybe the LinkedIn, Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the LinkedIn product management groups. Yep. Um, I think I think it's really great. It, it, over particularly over recent years, a bit more of the reality I think um, with Twitter because I, I quite often you can read things and you're getting a perfect view of the world. I mean, probably like we're talking about today, right? We're, we're talking about that perfect rose-tinted view of the world. Uh, what I like to see on, on Twitter as well is you do sometimes get that dose of reality. You do get people more. saying, exactly. You get people saying product management is chaos. Yeah. And yeah, these are all tips. These are all frameworks. These are all templates. Try and deploy them amidst the chaos just to kind of help you out. And I think for me, that's, that's really great because actually you get for that, you get empathy. Um, and I think, again, you know, that's particularly important where uh, if you're in a small business, uh, I, I, I work in scale-ups. Most of my career has been in scale-ups. So, you know, don't have hundreds of product people in the business. So quite often, you know, seeking that empathy externally is good. So, yeah, to, to your point, I think uh, the product management hashtags on Twitter are uh, you're a great read at the moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a great resource, Simon. And thank you for sharing that. That's one I hadn't thought of to, to go and, and look at. And as you said, it's a bit more raw, a bit more honest, a bit more um, of, of the time. So I think that's great. And also you mentioned Rich Mirinoff, who we're actually hoping to have on the channel as well. So if you're subscribed, um, please watch, uh, watch this space for him. And if uh, you're interested in hearing from Rich and his views, then any of our viewers click subscribe and you'll be notified of that as, as Rich comes along. So yeah, I think Rich is a big favorite for, for many of us as well. Simon, I think that's phenomenal. I'd, I'd love to kind of wrap things up a little bit. And so kind of, we've talked a lot about what product management is and what it isn't, and I've loved your philosophy on it. How would you distill your philosophy uh, of road mapping into just a couple of sentences? I know that's a hard ask because I've had to do it myself, but would you be able to summarize road mapping into just a couple of sentences for our viewers? Yeah, sure. That's yeah. End with a difficult question, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think the first thing for me is it's, it's not something to be scared of. I think sometimes the word roadmap gains uh, kind of a, an aura that can make it seem scary, particularly when quite often who's the first person that asks for a roadmap? The CEO. You know, the CEO says, I want a roadmap. And all of a sudden it's like, I need to I need to create something that's a delivery plan. So, you know, I think for me, just, you know, like roadmap, just just get on and do it. The first one is never going to be perfect. It's the second and the third. It's the fourth one that 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 will. And again, you know, it's that it's that that process really. And I think the, the other thing for me is it's it's about uh explaining to people the levers you have to change what you're doing in a business. Um, you know, I think, you know, a good roadmap will help people understand that if they want something different, these are the levers you need to pull. And I guess the, the final, the final thing for me about roadmaps is they do have to be grounded in reality. And by this, I mean, what resource you have to hand. And again, we talked earlier about how, you know, vision and North Star and roadmaps kind of come together. For me, yes, you know, a roadmap um, can be an investment plan and should be an investment plan that is proposing for investment. But equally, you can't do a roadmap if you don't have any idea about, about your capacity. You know? Because at the end of the day, a roadmap that does not have some sort of link 
to your ability to execute is is it's just a house of cards waiting to fall down, right? <laughs> it is. So I think to, to summarize that, and those are great points. I think that what I took away from that is it's something that we shouldn't be scared of. It's something that should be iterative and is a is a process or an activity, not just a deliverable. I really liked it when you said that. It should think about our business drivers and the different levers for the business. And most importantly, or, or, or in addition, it needs to be grounded in reality. It can't just be a, an empty wish list of things that we want. Definitely, 100%. Great point, Simon. Last thing, the question is, is there anything else that I should um, ask you about roadmapping that maybe I haven't? So any questions that I should have asked you that I haven't or things that you'd like to end on in terms of today's session? I don't think so. I think we've covered a, covered a lot of ground. I think for me, every every time you go through roadmapping, you learn something new. Um, mm. You know, every time with the team we go through a roadmap process, there's a there's a new idea or there's a new way how we should be engaging with stakeholders to validate or get data. And that for me is is you know probably the final thing I'd say. It is a learning process. There's always questions, and again, it comes back to Twitter because. You know, if I've got a question about roadmaps or want to figure out how something needs to be done, invariably somebody's already done it in the past. So a quick tap into Google or into Twitter, you can quite often uh, find the answer. So for me, there's always questions. Um, and part of the fun is finding those answers. It absolutely is. Simon, thank you so much. Um, just want to give you an opportunity just to share a little bit to our audience about TrustKey and kind of the work that you do, uh, whether they're, you're looking for um, careers or new hires and things like that. So give our audience just a little bit of an idea of that, if you would. Yeah, sure. So uh, TrustKey, we uh, operate in the global trust and corporate services and fund administration sector. So, uh, yeah, quite a specialist market. Um, for me, yeah, Trusky, uh, the, the beauty of Trusky is we, we operate in a market that's traditionally been behind the curve when it comes to innovation. Um, so, you know, I, I, I doubt many of your listeners are going to need our software. Um, but certainly, yeah, we are hiring at the moment uh, very much. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of product roles. Uh, we have product owner roles, uh, developer roles. Um, we yeah we we operate in a pretty cool global market uh, where we are trying to pull the market by the scruff of its neck to uh, to innovate and, and use innovative uh, tools. So we like to think that we're uh, you know trying to build the the cutting edge technology that our market needs, and uh, that makes for a pretty cool company to be uh, be working in product. It does. An exciting team and obviously an uh, yeah, inspirational leader. Simon Wickes, thank you so much for joining us on today's session. I've absolutely loved speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Uh, for those of you watching at home, please drop down into the comments. Let us know what you thought, whether I didn't ask any questions of Simon that you'd like to know, um, whether anything that Simon said resonated with you. It certainly did with me. And please give us a like uh, and subscribe to the channel down below would be fantastic. Um, also, if you'd like to get into, into uh, play a part of this and, and be interviewed on the channel, um, please reach out and let us know. We'd love to have you on to, uh, to speak more about your views in roadmaps. Otherwise, thank you for joining me on today's session, and I'll see you all again soon. Cheers, Simon. Thank you, Justin.